0: You know, there's more research coming out seeing the increasing prevalence. It took the pandemic for a lot to surface, but it was there. It was, we just didn't see that the increasing numbers maybe as much, but
1: it's, it's everywhere. Yep. When people are at home alone and they don't have their normal coping mechanisms, a lot of people who were already struggling with eating, the pandemic kind of tipped it over the edge. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that... A lot of people who have been asking for help and even more people who don't know to ask for help yet.
2: This is not an easy topic to cover and it's hard for me because I like to laugh. But this is not a situation that lends itself to laughter, really lends itself to tears and a whole lot of concern. Eating disorders and disordered eating is on the rise, I learned so much in this conversation. Yes, there were things that I knew about eating disorders from the past, but this was so helpful. If you have anybody in your life that is struggling with eating disorders, or if you have a young person in your life, this conversation is for you. Recently, Rebecca and I had a conversation about food myths, and I gave her a whole pile of questions uh, for her to answer. And she did such an awesome job. And there were a couple questions that she said, you know, I'm not really comfortable answering those ones. And so we talked about it after the fact as to why, and it was all around the topic of eating disorders. And when she started sharing a few pieces of information with me, I thought, Kate, we need to have a conversation, a conversation more at length about this topic. So I am very happy to be joined by Rebecca Rempel and Janelle Clausen. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time. Uh, what, who are you guys and what do you do? Um,
1: so like you said, I'm Rebecca and I'm Janelle. Uh, so we are chronic disease
0: dietitians, which means we specialize in medical nutrition therapy for chronic diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, diseases of the gut, liver, and kidney disease.
1: And we also see clients with disordered eating and diagnosed eating disorders who are awaiting specialized treatment in Winnipeg.
2: Okay, so <laughs> already I have questions. What is the difference between disordered eating
1: and an eating disorder? Good question. So the level of obsession around eating disorder thoughts and behaviors can distinguish disordered eating from an eating disorder. An eating disorder is a diagnosis from a doctor rather than a self-diagnosis or someone recognizing that they are struggling. Having disordered eating puts you at greater risk for developing an eating disorder. Okay, so one kind of leads into the other. Often, but not always. Okay,
2: okay. So how common are eating disorders? Like I know sometimes they seem kind of rare.
1: Unfortunately, eating disorders are becoming a lot more common. So it's pretty hard to determine an exact number as many people with eating disorders, unfortunately, don't go for help. What we do know is that the prevalence of eating disorders is increasing and has been worsening throughout the pandemic. The National Eating Disorder Association reported an increase in call volume of 70 to 80% in the last year.
2: Wow, that's a staggering number. Wow. Yeah. So, like, how are they attributing this to the pandemic? Like, why would it be getting so much worse during the pandemic?
1: So the pandemic has created what I would call the perfect storm. Uh, some reasons why eating disorders have increased since the pandemic are disruption to daily routines and constraints and change can be very hard, especially for some people Hmm. and not everyone adapts the same. A change as big as the pandemic can make some people feel as though they have lost control. Some people feel as though they are drowning, looking for something to hold on to and food is something that is part of daily life. It's Hmm. right there in front of you, which could make some people feel like they can control one thing. Unfortunately, unfortunately, similar to an addiction, the eating disorder ends up controlling them instead. Hmm. Another part of the perfect storm is a change of social support, increasing exposure to anxiety-provoking media, increasing exposure to body comparison on social media. It can
0: also be an increased reliance on video conferencing, which puts your image in front of you all day long and can lead to excessive critiquing. So we wouldn't be looking at ourselves in the mirror all day. But essentially, that's what we are doing with video conferencing. Oh, oh. okay.
2: Sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt. But that's actually, wow, I never thought about that one before.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's something oh. that, that was new, directly related to yeah. the pandemic. So, wow. For sure.
2: Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just like, mind blown, kind of. Sorry, continue. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, also having a fear of contracting COVID may... It can also increase disordered eating behaviours. And this is related to the use of restrictive diets to try to boost your immune system by restricting and or controlling foods.
2: This is really interesting, the whole thing about control. Does the boosting your immune system by restricting and controlling foods actually work?
1: So-called boosting the immune system is a whole other conversation for another day. But okay. <laughs> in sports, ironically enough, Insufficient calories reduces immune health rather than improving it.
2: Oh, okay. See, I'm making notes here, you guys. This is this is very insightful. Thank you. Insufficient <laughs> calories reduces immune health rather than improving it.
1: Yeah. Insufficient calories. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Your, wow. Your body needs calories to spend on different things. Whether your body is spending those calories on keeping your body warm, keeping your brain functioning the way it should or spending those calories on your immune system. You, you need to have something to support the immune system. Okay,
2: that, that makes sense. So during the pandemic, you know, <laughs> we were pretty restricted to home and we enjoyed our food. A lot of us made sourdough and binged Netflix. So we all gained a little bit of weight during the pandemic.
1: Wouldn't a little bit of weight loss be okay? So... In this situation, in this perfect storm, a little bit of weight loss can, for some people, lead to an addiction because it never seems like it's enough weight loss to make you feel happy or in control. In our culture, loss is so often complimented and seen as a good thing. However, you don't often know what's going on behind the scenes. For example, is the weight loss a result of cancer or sickness or depression or disordered eating. Disordered eating is harming your body and involves things like withholding from eating when you are hungry and compensatory behaviors such as punishing yourself when you do eat. Mm. Disordered eating has some serious consequences to health, many of which only surface years down the road. Because many of the consequences only show up years later, sometimes people think that they are the exception to the rule and are in denial about what they are doing to their body. Hmm.
0: And over time, damage from disorder eating can show up as osteoporosis, infertility, cardiac abnormalities, kidney dysfunction, neurological changes, seizures, cognitive impairment, periodontal disease, gastroparesis, which is delayed uh, stomach emptying, depression and anxiety, or hepatic or liver insufficiency.
2: Wow, so like the consequences to this can take a while, hey?
1: They do take a while to show up. Often when a doctor might look at the person's labs, nothing shows up, nothing shows up, nothing shows up for a long period of time. And all of a sudden, things do show up all at once. Wow. So can de- eating disorders be
2: considered like something that's fatal?
1: Unfortunately, yes. So while it's well known that mental illnesses are a leading cause of premature death in Canada, it is less known that eating disorders have the highest mortality of any mental illness. In fact, the National Institute of Eating Disorders uh, back in 2016 says that for females aged 15 to 24 years old, a mortality rate of anorexia is 12 times greater than all other causes of death combined.
2: Oh, that—that's <laughs> a staggering statistic.
1: It's heartbreaking.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I can you say that again for me? I'm just like uh, mental illnesses are the leading cause of premature death in Canada. Yep, yep. But it is—it um, is less known
1: that eating disorders have. How how did you put it? So it is less known that eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Ugh. So that's including, like, um, depression, um, yeah. schizophrenia, bipolar. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then specifically, anorexia is 12 times greater than all other causes of death combined. So that's um, uh, car crashes or um, other chronic diseases as well. That or for wow. people aged 20 to 24. That is,
2: wow. And this isn't something that, that, you know, you just snap out of, correct?
1: Unfortunately, no. Um, unfortunately, people really need help from professionals because not getting enough nutrition limits the growth of neurons or brain cells, which makes it harder to make healthy decisions for yourself. And I think most people can relate to just how hard it is to change behaviors or ingrained habits. Hmm. So just like it's hard to give up an addiction or an abusive relationship, an eating disorder is similar in that it feels as though it's part of your identity and a way to cope. Even though an eating disorder is extremely dangerous, the eating disorder feels safe and it can be very scary to make healthy changes. Coming back to that whole control thing again, right? So true. A lot of times, even though the eating disorder is controlling the person, the person feels like food is the one thing they can control. And it's so scary to give up control.
2: Oh, absolutely. So (laughs) this has not been good news that you have shared. How how if I had somebody in my life that possibly had disordered eating or an eating disorder, how would I know? Like, is it something
1: you can see? So it's hard to, no, but there are physical and emotional signs that parents, caregivers, teachers, and coaches can watch for. So we've, got, we've divided them into several categories. We've got some physical signs, and those are appetite changes, fluctuations in weight, difficulty swallowing, changes in foul habits, meaning they could be complaining of bloating or pain or trouble digesting food. Uh, there could be changes in menstrual regularity, including stopped or missed periods headache, lethargy or weakness, fainting, vertigo or feeling dizzy, feeling cold, meaning what you might be seeing is they are wearing more clothes to stay warm compared to other people in the same environment. Uh, Pale looking skin, irritability or mood changes, trouble focusing or concentrating, which could look like a change in school participation and or performance. Uh, the list goes on. Changes in skin and hair, such as being dry and brittle, or acid-related dental problems, including cavities and erosion of enamel. Wow.
0: And there's also
1: some emotional
0: signs. So being preoccupied with weight, food, dieting, calories to the point that eating and managing weight become a primary concern over other activities.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, also being preoccupied with body image, body size, shape, a specific part of the body, and or the number on the scale.
1: Significantly limiting foods by restricting whole categories of food and only considering a very small number of foods safe to eat. And this might look like someone eliminating foods that they previously enjoyed.
0: Um, it could also be expressing shame or guilt about eating habits. Uh, performing specific food rituals. This is different depending on the person, but could look like eating the same thing every day or wanting to know exactly how the food is prepared or not allowing anyone else to prepare the food for them or developing an interest
1: in culinary skills but not eating the food themselves. Or withdrawing from social activities where food is involved. They could feel uncomfortable eating in front of other people in public spaces or they might prefer to eat in complete isolation or in secret.
2: I'm as you share these ones, I mean, the, the physical ones, okay, those are, you know, not obvious, but, you know, you kind of would be a little more aware of them. But some of these emotional signs, I, I, I hear you say them, and then I go, oh, shoot, am I a person that's saying some of these things, whether I feel like, like I'm filled with shame or not, right? But expressing shame or guilt about eating certain
1: things, right? Mm-hmm. Shoot. Shoot. Yeah, there's a whole spectrum and there's a lot of pressure from our society to be ashamed of what we eat or what our body looks like. Uh, there's pressure that you're never good enough. That way somebody can sell you something.
2: <laughs> it's true. It comes down yeah. to money, doesn't you're
1: it? Good, bad foods a lot. Yeah.
0: Like this food, right. And then that can create some of that guilt with that. So in ways that we don't recognize that they're there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good for me to hear so that I can watch my words a little bit better. So yeah. So those are some of the signs. Are there other signs that
1: we could be looking for in people in our lives? Good question. So other signs can include a person frequently checking their weight on the scale, and you might see changes in eating habits or their mood depending on what they see on the scale, or frequently excusing themselves during or after a meal to go to the bathroom, over-exercising, increased social media use, disinterest in hobbies and activities, Misusing medication or supplements or hiding their body, such as wearing more clothes than they normally would, and this is a wide
0: range of signs for of disordered eating, but one person can have several and one person can have one sign, but that doesn't mean that they are not struggling, and that doesn't mean that they don't need help mm-hmm.
2: There's so much information here, Wow, so one of the things you mentioned, which uh, piqued my interest right away, was you talked about over exercising what. What, what exactly? <laughs> clearly, that is not a struggle I face. What What does that mean? Like, what is that?
1: So over-exercising is exercising as punishment for eating or compensating for eating food, rather than just exercising for physical and mental benefits or for enjoyment. Or so it's exercising in amounts that put you at risk for injury, such as by not allowing your body adequate recovery time in between sessions. Hmm or isolating themselves from social activities in order to meet an exercise regimen. Another sign of over-exercising is if the person has no energy for anything else after the exercise. And they might be getting weaker instead of stronger and their mental health could be getting worse instead of better.
2: Because you're expending all of that energy Mm -hmm. to exercise and then if you are struggling with food and the whole control over the food, you're probably not supplementing enough for what you
1: just output, right? Yeah, you're not fueling your body adequately for the the demands that you're asking of your body. Man, so is there a certain weight
2: that maybe means a person has disordered eating?
1: So it's interesting to notice how being underweight or at a lower BMI is not among the signs we previously listed for disordered eating. Hmm. The misconception that you have to be at a lower weight to have disordered eating. Someone in a larger body can be severely malnourished and suffering with mental health concerns related to disordered eating and need just as much help as those in smaller bodies.
2: Can you say that again? Because that was very interesting.
1: Yeah. So someone who is in a larger body can be severely malnourished. They're not getting the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals that their body needs. And they can be suffering with mental health concerns so that the struggle, the shame, the guilt um, and thoughts related to disordered eating, and they need just as much help as those in smaller bodies, but they're more likely to get overlooked. They're not as likely to get noticed or diagnosed with an eating disorder and they might miss out on the treatment that they desperately need,
2: right? Because when when I think of disordered eating, I think of a super 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 skinny person, <laughs> right? That's where my my mind goes to. So this was interesting.
1: Yeah, the stereotype is a white female uh, who has a um, moderate whose family has a moderate income, and there's a stereotype, but not everyone fits that stereotype, and other people can miss out on getting the help they need if they don't fit that stereotype. Wow. So
2: if if I know someone that I think maybe is struggling with disordered eating, what, what should I be doing to help them?
1: First, do no harm. We want to learn how you can be a support, and you can Google NEDIC Caregiver. Can you, what do you mean, NEDIC? Can you spell that? Yeah. So NET, I'll tell you what it stands for, and it's easy. Okay. Easy to think perfect. About. So NEDIC stands for National Eating Disorder Information Center. Okay, okay. Yeah, so if you search medic caregiver, you'll find tips on how to do no harm, a lot more tips than what we can go through on a radio interview. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you can also recognize the signs because change starts with awareness. Hmm. We know that early intervention is associated with the best outcome, the best chance a person has at recovery. So you can make an appointment with your primary care provider, your doctor, or your nurse practitioner for an assessment and a referral to an appropriate specialist because trying to heal from disordered eating all on your own is difficult and often ineffective. Mm. People put a lot of pressure on themselves, oh, "I'll just get better on my own." Mm-hmm. It's important to recognize that you need help and it's okay to get help. So, from the beginning, having family support is associated with better outcomes for adolescents with disordered eating. However, the involvement of a support system is very helpful for patients of any age. Hmm. It's important to get treatment from those who specialize in eating disorders. So an example, just like if the brakes on your car need repair, and brakes are pretty important, (laughs) you wouldn't want to get your brakes fixed at the oil change station. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Um, So it's important to go to professionals who have been trained in eating disorders. It's important to get help from a team of professionals, which includes a mental health professional to provide psychological therapy, a registered dietitian to provide education and optimize nutrition, medical professionals such as a medical doctor or nurse practitioner to monitor for medical decompensation, dental specialists to treat dental problems that result from an eating disorder, your partner, parents, or other family members, So for young people still living at home, parents should be actively involved in treatment and may supervise meals. Hmm. Going back to the example with the car, let's say if all the tires on your car are bald, you wouldn't just replace one of them. You want all four tires working safely for you. Similarly, disordered eating is a mental and a physical battle, not just the food that's the issue. So just involving one professional is like replacing only one tire. And you're still at risk for going in the ditch. Like us Manitobans know very well from here. <laughs> <laughs> just like it's necessary to replace all four bald tires, it's important to have all the necessary professionals and support systems helping with recovery. Wow. You
2: mentioned uh, earlier, do no harm. What what exactly do you mean when you say that?
1: Uh, good question. So regardless of whether you know for sure if someone's struggling with an eating disorder or not, there are some things to be cautious of that could be triggering for some people. So the first is commenting about anyone's weight or size, including yourself. What you say about your own body will often become a child's inner monologue, kind of like a broken (laughs) rib. Kind of like a broken record, repeating over and over and over. And also
0: following social media pages that promote unrealistic body expectations and commenting on other people's food choices. So, for example, let's say we are out for lunch and I'm eating a burger. It would be inappropriate and triggering for me to say to Janelle, are you sure you want to have that? (laughs) Because that would be shaming them. People don't make healthy, balanced choices out of a place of shame. And Rebecca has to answer a question: Yes, I should be having a fur because I'm actually really enjoying
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. There, you know, there's a couple things that keep popping up in in this here control and shame. Those seem to mm-hmm. be really important. I'm not sure how to put it, but they're important because they seem to be prevalent throughout everything you're saying. And so to hear you say, you know, there has to be a specialist that has to be working with, with people struggling with this because those are two heavy things to be yeah, dealing but, with on your own.
1: Yeah, it's not just the food. It's, like you said, it's the control and shame that's all a part of it. So it's it's a multifactorial concern.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't have daughters. I have sons. But when you made the comment about... um Commenting about your own weight and how you speak about yourself and what you eat and don't eat. This, I I don't I don't struggle with uh, eating disorder, but um, boy, just as a woman walking through life, and I am so past the teenage years and the young adult years. It's um, interesting. It's been. Yeah, this, so this is something we should have heard about before. And I mean, you hear about it every once in a while, but why are we just hearing about this kind of stuff now?
0: Well, unfortunately, it took a pandemic to force disordered eating and eating disorders to surface. Um, this is a wake-up call to make eating disorders a priority. Eating disorders are serious, life-threatening mental health disorders with life-threatening physical consequences. We need to work together to help those with disordered eating get the care they need. And there's a quote that, is really, that really fits with the situation, and it is, do the best you can until you know better, then when you know better, do better. Do better.
2: So if we have people in our lives that we think maybe are struggling with this, where can, where can we direct people to go for help?
1: Unfortunately, Janelle and I are at complete capacity at the moment, and we don't have room for more eating disorder clients at this time. But you can ask your primary care provider to refer you to HSC, and they can direct you where to get help until HSC has room to accept you into their program. Other great options are seeing private practice teams that specialize in eating disorder care. So if you Google Manitoba eating disorder Dietitian, there's some options of dietitians and therapists who are taking new clients. For people listening, we want you to know that full and complete recovery and healing is possible. It is a lot of work and it's challenging, but there are people and places to help support you and you are not alone. Well,
2: that's good to hear. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. I am I'm struck by your statement saying you're at complete capacity and don't have any more room. So mm-hmm. this isn't just research and a report and statistics that you are reading from somewhere else in the country. This is here at home in southern Manitoba.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's it's not just in Manitoba. It's, it's, you know, there's more research coming out seeing the increasing prevalence. It took the pandemic for a lot to surface, but it was there. It was, we just didn't see the, the increasing numbers maybe as much, but it it's everywhere.
1: Yep. When people are at home alone and they don't have their normal coping mechanisms, a lot of people who were already struggling with eating, the pandemic kind of tipped it over the edge. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that a lot of people who have been asking for help and even more people who don't know to ask for help yet. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I hope some of what you shared here Helps people realize maybe they need to be asking for help. I, I so appreciate your time here and I appreciate what you do. I am sorry to hear that you are at capacity. That, um, that is not a good feeling to hear that information for sure. How do you, this isn't, how do you deal with hearing and, and working with patients who are struggling with this? Is it a, how do you shut it off? <laughs>
1: when you find the answer to that, let us know. (laughs) Okay. Um, we, we've, I've gone for a, some counseling on vicarious trauma. So it's when you are helping someone who's gone through a lot of trauma, some of that you can, the therapist or the, the counselor can absorb some of that trauma themselves. It's, it's just, it's a lot. It's, a learning process. It's a learning process. Yeah, we need to make sure that we are really taking care of ourselves and getting the downtime and the rest and relaxation time that we need. Yeah, because if we aren't taking care of ourselves, we can't help anybody else. Mm -hmm. Very
2: true. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your very precious time with us. And uh, yeah, this was a lot of information, a heavy topic, but definitely clearly from what you are dealing with right now, something that we need to be talking about more.
1: Yeah, and thank you for letting us share this and get the word out because we know from the clients that we do have how much people are struggling and we know that there are other people out there who are struggling just as much and don't know that there's help for them. So Mm -hmm. we we appreciate um, you letting other people know.
2: Well, thank you so much for your time. This
1: was very educational. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having us.